0: Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday as we take a few minutes out of our day to study the Word of God. We're glad you're with us. If you've been following along, we have been going through the last few weeks with the book of Philippians. And we're going to conclude that with the final few verses from chapter 4. Frankly, what we're going to do is look at Paul's kind of closing thoughts. So we're glad you're with us. I have yet to really decide where we're going to go tomorrow we will have one we'll be in a different book and so i guess i'll surprise you tomorrow i'm going to spend some time praying about it and studying to see where the lord would have us to go next in this uh but we'll uh, we'll keep going tomorrow morning in a different book but one of the things we see when you come into what we, what we call the pauline epistles and the term pauline epistles are simply the different books of the bible written by paul and a lot of times, and you see those in other books too, but a lot of times we see them as a little unique to our culture today. They start with this, this greeting and sometimes end with a greeting. And a lot of times what we can do, because they seem to be random, it's kind of like when you say hi to someone, how's the weather? It's, it's, it's okay content, but it's, it's, it's just um, pleasantries, we call it today. So a lot of times people look at the verses that begin or conclude different books of the Bible and they see them as pleasantries. And, uh, and there's some of that, but what we're going to look at today, I hope we understand that God I really don't believe that God placed anything in Scripture to be put there for just to be a pleasantry. I believe God put it in Scripture for us, and there's something for us to gain from it. And so we're going to go from verse 20 to 23 to finish up the book of Philippians this morning. And so I'm going to read it all, and then we'll unpack these verses and see how they apply to our lives. Verse 20, just remember, um, Paul just got done talking about his thankfulness to them giving, and that God will take care of them because of their generosity to him. Verse 20, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen salute every saint in christ jesus the brethren which are with me greet you and all the saints salute you chiefly they that are of the caesar's household the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all amen. Now again, it is easy to look at these three verses and see, or four verses, and see pleasantries. Let's unpack them a little bit. Some of it is, but let's unpack it a little bit and see some simple principles that I think Paul, if nothing else, you see the heartbeat of Paul in his ministry alone. So verse 20, he starts these last four verses by saying, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I think we need to clarify, talk a bit about the idea that he references Jehovah God, but then he references him as our Father. And he really, in this verse, gives us two aspects of the being of of God the Father, of God who of Jehovah God. Uh, We know that we use Jehovah God. There's Elohim, Adonai. There's a lot of different names used. Yahweh, different names used for God, and and in different scenarios, they mean different things. you take Jehovah throughout Scripture, there's all kinds of different other, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah, all kinds of different words. And each one of them means something, and they give us a different look into the attributes of God. In this one, we see God as superior, but we also see as a father. So he looks to God, his leader, his master, the one he has submitted and surrendered to. But then he says, but he's also our father. Now, I will say this, that for some, that, that brings great uh, it's just a sweet thing to look at that. You know, when you have a great relationship with your father, you remember what your father meant, you you understood the kindness, the love, the protection, uh, the security you felt when he was around, um, hopefully, what you strive to offer to your children. Uh, and that's that, that's a wonderful thing. Some would say my relationship with my father wasn't great. And so when you see that term... It's, if you're not careful and you look at it from the human standpoint, what was supposed to be a wonderful, sweet thought, well, it turns out to be the opposite of that. It turns out to be something where you say, well, the, the idea of God as a father seems overbearing and harsh and distant and things of that nature, depending on your relationship. Can I tell you that uh, God did design the fatherhood to be something, to picture him? And when you have a rough experience because of a sinful nature, and just because of a rough experience, yeah, it's going to be easy to say, I don't like this. Can I tell you that when that happens, picture God the Father as the Father you've always wanted. He loves you no matter what. He's never going to leave you or abandon you. He knows your thoughts and concerns. He he's accepting of you no matter what position you're in or what you've done. There's just nothing you can do to make him not love you. And I know sometimes you say it's hard to see and, and how he works is different, but I would just say, look at it as exactly God desires it to be, a gracious, loving, almighty God who never leaves us nor forsakes us and is always there and accepts us and loves us in our best and our worst of times. So he's our almighty God, which means our protector, our provider, he's our father um, but then he says in that verse, he goes, unto him be glory forever and ever. Again, we go back to kind of the heart of Paul in this. Everything he's done since the day on the Damascus Road that God could uh, confronted him and converted him, and he's moved on in ministry, and all of the times he has been beaten and taken basically to death and come back from it, all of that he says, I don't do this to be great, glorified. I don't do this for people to look at me. I do this for God to be glorified. And I understand that this is a ministry, but can I tell you something? If we focused our attention in life on that thought. It would be powerful. Um, When you go in as a husband, when when I go in as a husband to my wife, if I look at it as what I can get from it, if I do this, I expect back, well, I'm going to struggle. If I say, God, how can I glorify you? Well, it's different. How can I glorify you as a father? How can I glorify you as an employee? How can I glorify you as a friend? When I look at what God's asked me to do in relation to other people, not what people do to me and how I think they do this and I want to respond. No, no. I mean, what has God asked me to do? And if I do what God's asked me to do in simple obedience to God, well, then it becomes more simplistic at that point. I'm not worried about um, appeasing or working in these different areas. Or even work, What I do is I'm not even reacting based upon the actions of other people. I've been told to love my neighbors, love my enemies, especially those of the household of faith. And I've been told to act a certain way, and I do that. I, I do this because I want to glorify God, and that rolls into all kinds of different parts, with my money, all these things. It's definitely the most unselfish way to do it, because if you live life in relationships based upon the actions of others, well then you can justify selfish actions. If you're living in obedience to God to glorify Him, well, that's different. It changes your reaction. It's very hard to be selfish in that area. Then he continues, uh, verse 21, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. So he's, salute the other ones. Tell everybody in that area we are, we are here. We appreciate the salute them. That is a tree if we could call it that way. I think it's interesting. All the saints salute you, chiefly they of Caesar's household. I was reading up on this, and uh, many commentators believe something intriguing here. Who are they that have Caesar's household? Well, remember, um, Paul. this is where Paul is imprisoned. And more than likely, he's led several people to Christ, several of Caesar's household. And so they're saying, this is the church that continues to give to you. And thanks, you know, I'm able to continue to minister because of the church of Philippi giving. Salute them. Thank them that this church is actively part of people in Caesar's household getting saved. What a, what a, what a thought about Paul and his ministry, no matter where he was. What a thought about, uh, the inclusion of that, the church and how they're impacting people they may never see. Then we go down to verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Again, we often look at that as a pleasantry, but can I tell you, it is the grace of God that allows us to go from day to day. So it's not—it's really more than a pleasantry. Um, Really, we need the grace of God for salvation. Then we need the grace of God to grow in sanctification, to, to grow in Christ, to become more like his son every day. We need the grace of God to be able to be what we hope to be, to be able to be the husband, to be the the wife, the father, the mother, the ployed. To, to live a life that's pleasing to God, to live a life that is, is just what we hope to be, as close to scripture as we can, that right there, requires the grace of God to endure the trials you're going through to be able to work through the pain the loss that unfortunately life brings us um, all of that comes down to this reminder we need the grace of God in my years of doing what I do as a pastor I have had the privilege to stand in the worst of times with other people that they've said goodbye to loved ones Uh, it's not an easy thing to watch Uh, but what's amazing to me is when i stand by christians and you see uh, the the scripture that truly says sorrow but not as those who have no hope as they do but then they say it's amazing how powerful the grace of god is right now through those times i've been through it I, i understand that that is what we hold on to, and Paul is saying that, as I finish, the last thought is, I don't leave you alone. Sometimes you feel alone. You're not. You do have the grace of God, and it will be with you always. I'm going to give you one last thought, um, kind of a teaching moment. Most of the Bibles have this at the end. It's, it's kind of a precursor. It's not actually in Scripture. It says, to, it, it, it says to the Philippians, written from Rome by Epaphroditus, and I've met people ask me, what is that kind of thing? It happens in several of these Scriptures, uh, What happened, especially in Pauline, epistles what is it saying well paul would dictate these things he always had someone else who would write it in this case it was epaphroditus epaphroditus was sent by the church he comes and he delivers the goods that and the things that the church brought he actually got sick while we're there we learned that earlier he comes back but while he's there he's penning a letter he's writing out what paul tells him to write and then he takes that back to that church um, he's only mentioned a couple of times, but boy, what a powerful tool uh, to be used of God in this, in this book. A book that we still use today that is truly a great, powerful, practical truth today. It's something that Epaphroditus was part of, and uh, it, you can serve anywhere if you really desire to and be used of God. Thanks again for joining us on this Tuesday morning. Greatly appreciate the privilege to be part of your day. Hope it's a help. Hope it's an encouragement. And uh, we'll meet again tomorrow. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll let you know where we're going to be. And what we'll take the next few weeks to look through. But I greatly appreciate the wonderful privilege to be a part of your day. We hope you have a great rest of your day. And we hope to see you again tomorrow.